Oh yeah. Canceled too soon. A podcast. Podcast. About TV. Television shows. That were. That were very, very short. Canceled too soon. One season or less. Oh yeah. This week on Canceled Too Soon. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. Bogus? Triumphant. Heinous. And excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I am a film critic for Crave Online at Blumhouse.com. Everybody calls me... Bibs. And I am Ted Theodore Logan, and together we are Wild Stallions! <laughs> My name is Whitney Seibold. Not, t- not Ted Theodore Logan. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I am Bill. I could be a Bill, although I'm not. I'm a Bibs. I, I'm I Bibs S. Preston Esquire. B- Bill, you could be Bill Bibs. Why not? Yeah, because it's terrible. Did you ever go as Bill, or you've always been William? Never been a Bill. Um, mm. Some people call my dad Bill, but oh, yeah. it never really took. All right. Yeah, I don't know why. Anyway. Uh, tangent right away. My name yeah. is Whitney Seibold. Uh, I uh, am a film critic for various locales, Crave Online, Blumhouse.com, and others. And uh, I am also the co-host of the B-Movies podcast, From Whence We From Hail. From Whence We Hail! That is where we started. Yeah. And this week on the B-Movies podcast, we're doing a show that a lot of people have heard of, but they've actually heard of the wrong show. Because there were two... We are going to be talking about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. Pause for the clip. Coming this summer, two dudes who made history with their first two major motion pictures. Now, Bill and Ted are coming to television in a weekly series of bodacious adventures. I don't know who you are, but you too will die. Will not... Will too. They've been given the awesome ability to travel yeah. to the past. <laughs> to witness the events that changed our world. We're going to Woodstock. Yeah, dude. With my dad. And to reach out and touch great warriors. Good luck, King Arthur, dude! Famous scientists. Check out his hair. Wicked deal. Legendary ladies' men. Yes, no. We're about to party with love God. And even kings. You're left, dude. You're left. With the whole world at their fingertips, these two dudes will make history come alive. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, coming soon. The summer season on Fox, where the new stuff never stops. And that was the clip. But <laughs> that Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures is not the animated Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures that you might remember. This was the live-action sitcom that came after the animated series. Or rather, kind of within the animated well, series. It's, we'll it's get into the, into it. you we'll get into the chronology is, a little bit. You um, can argue that it's the spin-off yeah, of the so, animated series. Uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure uh, was a feature film that came out in 1989. And it was shelved for a while. Like The studio thought it was going to be a big bomb. Because it's a yeah. stupid premise. It's a story of two teenagers it's, who are... Well, it's clearly written by a Doctor Who fan. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's a story of two teenagers. They're 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 failing out of school. They One live of them's going to get sent to military school. They One live in... It's significant that they live in San Diego. California. Yeah. Which is, is, it's not a surfing town, but it is where Raging Waters, the water slide park, is located. Yes. Very important. A lot of water slide centric humor. That's all that San Dimas has. (laughs) They used to have a cool comic book store, but I digress. Mm. Uh, 
Ted Theodore Logan uh, was played by Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. Bill S. Preston Esquire was played by uh, Alex, Alex Winter. Alex Winter. I always want to say Winters. It's Alex Winter. Alex Winter. Uh, and uh, the director of Freaked. It's, yes, it's Alex significant. Winter. Alex yeah. Winter uh, is yeah. is a, a really good filmmaker and is in his own right. Yes, uh, they are going to flunk out of history. Uh, but if they flunk out of history, Ted's going to go to military school and they're going to have to break up mm. their high school band. The gag is George Carlin shows up in a time traveling phone booth and from, says from 700 years in the future, yeah, 700 years in the future, whatever it was, uh-huh. uh, you, you, your music, the Wild Stallions, your band has inspired the, the whole world to be a better place. It is peaceful. We have epic water slides. It's great. <laughs> Turns out playing air guitar cleans the ozone layer. Uh-huh. So everything you've ever done is amazing, but if you fail history, the future is doomed. It's, so here's a time machine. Do your research. Get an A in your class. It's a fantastic uh, Generation X slacker polemic. Yeah. About just sort of, it turns out everything you're doing as a slacker is going to save the universe. Basically. And and yeah, these weird, extraordinary events are going to help you, conspire to help you along. And yeah. they're given a time-traveling phone booth. Yeah, and they very tra- Doctor Who. Very Doctor Who. Like, And it's only phone booth sized you can only fit like three people in there uncomfortably yeah so by the end of so, the sh- by the end of the film when they're taking like 12 people in it mm-hmm. it's actually a really funny image because it's <laughs> just all, that phone booth stacking yeah. game but uh they travel through history talking to history's famous people like socrates and napoleon and joan of arc and mm-hmm. genghis khan yeah and it's funny. And it's funny. It's a funny show. It's, a, it's kind of a dumb movie, but it's a funny movie, and it does uh, it, everything it needs to do with its premise. It and, came out the and year... And Bill and Ted are, are, are fun characters. They're sweet. Well, they're likable. You want them to succeed. Well, that's that's kind of the magic of the film, is yeah. that Bill and Ted, even though they're kind of these Gen X metalhead slackers, they don't have, they're, yeah. and they're not very bright. They're, they're low-rent uh, Cheech and Chong knockoffs without the weed. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't have any substance abuse. They're just kind of dumb white kids yeah. in San Dimas, California. Uh, but yeah, they're played by such charming actors and they are incapable of being cruel or dishonest. Yeah. Their their dumbness is actually kind of a virtue. There's a little gay panic humor where they're like they're concerned. They, they, they do use the F A G word. Which but, was uh, which was not considered as like it's in a kid film, it's rated PG. It wasn't yeah, considered as edgy as you'd have it is to have anymore, a conversation yeah. with your kids about that. But other than mm. that, they're they're very sweet. And what's cool about them is even though they talk like this, mm. they have this very affected way of communicating. Dudes, uh, it never feels like they're pandering. It feels like they're just characters who talk like that. Yeah, and uh, what I love about Bill and Ted is they they clearly have access to better vocabulary, like that they just <laughs> rushed up against. So they use big words occasionally and correctly, but you can tell they're a little bit out of their league when they're using it. <laughs> Anyway, the first movie was really, really funny. It was followed up by a sequel, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which I feel is very underrated. It's an odd but fun movie. Yeah, Joss Ackland plays like an evil time traveler who's trying to undo the Wild Stallions' yeah, future. Yeah, there's like, there's like a and there's renegade. Ro- robot clones, and yeah. Bill and Ted get killed by the robot clone. Like, dead. Killed yeah. dead. And they show up. Like their souls wake up and they face off against not just death, but the version of death from the seventh seal. Yeah, and they play like Twister for their souls. They play Twister and like. They yeah. try to escape death. They end up getting exercised 
by Ted's mom, and they end up going to hell, even though they obviously shouldn't be in hell. The hell they go to is awesome. It's like a heavy metal album cover, uh, and they have to like choose. They, they see they see the devil. They saunter up to him. You know they're, they're Dio fans clearly, so they just sort of saunter up to him and say, "How's it going?" Builds him up. Shout at the devil. <laughs> um, and they end up like all of their sins come back to haunt them, but their sins are nothing. They ate the head off of someone else's chocolate bunny on Easter, and an evil bunny starts chasing after them. It's adorable. They escape from hell. They team up with death. They team up with death. To they go, go to, to heaven, heaven where they to, meet God. They meet God and get this: team up with a pair of Martian scientists. I don't think they specifically say Martians, but they're aliens. They're space aliens yes. in heaven because. <laughs> Yeah, everybody goes to the same heaven, even yeah. if you're a space alien. So they make these twin space aliens, <laughs> so they can build good, good robot clones of themselves from stuff they find at Home Depot and, and win face the off, battle of the and bands. win the battle of the bands. It's an <laughs> awesome movie. It's very inventive. You just got to you got to give them credit. They did not do the same thing twice. No, and they could have. Yeah, yeah. The series, both the animated series, which lasted too long, we can't cover it here, and the live action series, which we can't cover here because it lasted seven episodes, seven episodes. eight if you count the unaired pilot. Um, it's the same thing over and over again. Yeah. It's just well, them going on an adventure, and the t- gag is it, it was this this live action show was actually made before the release of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yes, but they held off on it until Bogus Journey came out mm-hmm. and made money, so that they could capitalize on mm-hmm. it. And in fact, if you listen to some of the TV spots that they did for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, by this point, this is the early '90s. They're not even advertising it as Bill and Ted. They're mm-hmm. saying before Wayne and Garth. Because oh, Wayne, Wayne's world kind of eclipsed Bill and Ted. Yeah, they were the new mm. slacker Gen X hero mm. types who had a band. That was the new paradigm. So this is already <laughs> kind of behind the times. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures stars um, Evan Richards as the Alex Winter character, Bill S. Preston Esquire. Mm-hmm. Evan Richards, his career was actually pretty short, but he was in a great horror movie called Society. He was in a not very good comedy sequel called Rock and Roll High School Forever. <laughs> he was in the movie Down and Out in Beverly Hills, and he was in the sitcom Down and Out in Beverly Hills as the same character. That series only lasted one season. We're going to try to track that down. Mm. Uh, as Ted Theodore Logan, the Keanu Reeves character, we've got Christopher Kennedy, who... Showed up in a lot of bit parts other than this, but this was kind of his biggest yeah. role. He, uh, Both of those actors played Bill and Ted in the animated series after Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter left. Mm. Uh, you might also remember Christopher Kennedy from the John Woo Ben Affleck movie Paycheck, but you probably don't. And uh, <laughs> and then replacing George Carlin in the Rufus role, their sort of guide from the future who's trying to make sure the future always turns out okay, mm. it, they couldn't get George Carlin back, as you can imagine. They got Rick Overton, who is a funny character actor who you'll probably recognize from his smaller roles in stuff like Groundhog Day, mm. Willow. He was one of those little brownie people, the, the, the guy who wasn't Kevin Pollack. Uh, he was also in Million Dollar Mystery. Oh, nice. Remember Million Dollar Mystery? Like oh, yeah. the other, 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 it's a mad, 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 mad world? Oh, there were a lot of those. Oh, yeah, there, yeah. It's, 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 I think it's a subgenre unto itself. And Million Dollar Mystery is like low on the totem pole on that genre, by the way. It's like one of the worst. But <laughs> they're all kind of fun anyway. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, It's hard to be mad at any movie about like a whole bunch of different people getting in wacky adventures trying to find millions of dollars somewhere in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Um, there, there need to be more. We haven't had one since Rat Race. It's time to bring it back. And again, the basic premise is it's an episodic sitcom live action, very jokey, mm. and just every week, Bill and Ted no, get into an adventure, and if they don't, 
do whatever the dumb sitcom plot is. If they don't get jobs, yeah. if they don't play the Battle of the Bands, then the future yeah. is ruined. So it kind of just takes that Bill and Ted idea that yeah. every little dumb slacker thing you're doing is important, uh. but applies it to every dumb sitcom plot. Now imagine yeah. if well, in an episode of Friends they said, Ross, if you don't like help Rachel figure out her taxes, the universe is doomed. Well, That's every story. I, I like that... Uh, we we never learn in in the movies or in the series, and this is my favorite thing about Bill and Ted. What their philosophy actually is that will save the world. They have. I think it's be excellent to th- each other and party on. Yeah, dudes. be excellent to each other, party on, dudes. The, the bumper sticker version. We get that, <laughs> but we don't get sort of like the, the complex philosophy. We don't see how the world begins, and I don't want a story about that. Don't don't get me wrong. Yeah. I don't want to see that. <laughs> but the fact that these idiots are somehow holding the wisdom of the universe. (laughs) And when they go out into the world and it's like, oh no, we have to fix my mom's soap opera so we have a rehearsal space, somehow plays into the most profound notions of the universe. (laughs) Kind of makes the show a little bit more amusing It's a funny idea. It's not a terribly funny show. It's got got highlights. It's a watchable program, though. Eh, Sometimes more than others. We'll we'll get into it by uh, episode... Two episode uh, at the beginning of every episode, Rufus gives uh, mm-hmm. a bit of a summation of the premise. Bill and Ted, they're slackers. They got a ban. Eventually, they'll be really, really important, and society will be awesome. It'll have the best mini golf courses in the universe. Mm-hmm. It'll have the best water slides in the universe. Those are very important things. Super important in the nineties. <laughs> Nowadays, no one cares. They're still important to me. I love water slide. I haven't been on a water slide for quite some time, but exactly. I still love them. Exactly. And I've played mini golf kind of recently, and I still love it. Fine. Anyway, uh, but give, give me nachos, and that's where I go. Where I the where premise I is that society, and he actually just says a society built on the lessons learned from mm. Bill and Ted's excellent adventures, and I'm kind of fine with that. Like every episode, they learn some valuable lessons, and indeed, there's actually a fair number of good lessons, uh, like sort of growing up lessons, yeah. to be learned through this. And one of the recurring themes we see is. A lot of the time, but not every episode, they go back and they meet some famous historical figure. Mm. But pretty much every time, they meet them before they're famous. Yeah. Which yeah. is actually kind of cool. Well, and they, what... they put them on the path, essentially. That's Right. But that's the gag. But the, the, the mm. theme is that here are two guys who will be great, and now they're not. Mm. So they meet other people who will be great dealing and are currently with, not. Dealing yeah. with issues that stand in the way of your own greatness, uh, mm-hmm. dealing with issues of rejection, uh, finding your own path. You know, these are storylines that a lot well, of also, other shows deal with in a very trite manner. Here, there's a sense of portent to them, and it works a little better. I think. Uh, well, also that's you know just convenient because we know that you know Elvis Presley didn't meet Bill and Ted when he was like on tour well, in, in well, the sixties, but we don't know that. I suppose not. Were you there? The point is, he was in, very much in the public eye, and we probably would have heard about those guys at some point. So <laughs> if we meet up with these people before they're famous, or before they sort of strike it big, mm-hmm. uh, then it, it's a, we can kind of squint and suspend our disbelief a little bit A little bit, bit more. Better. Um, so the, the series began not with the pilot. Mm. The pilot actually didn't air, and it feels like the pilot is a bit of a proof of concept. The pilot ends on a cliffhanger that never gets resolved. The unaired pilot is available. You can track it down if you try hard enough. Um, And what's kind of cool about it is that it was written Mm. by two very cool people. Yes. It was written by Savage Savage Steve Steve Holland. Holland. You know him from From the movies Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer. He also did um, like a bunch of TV. He helped Mm. create Geek the Cat. 
uh, which is a great show from the 90s. He he directed one of the straight-to-video sequels to Legally Blonde. Yeah, yeah. He's (laughs) he's a funny guy. His career seemed like it was going real, real high, Mm. and it just sort of hit a real low plateau. But he Mm. works consistently. He does a lot of work in TV. Mm. He's very successful in his own right. Uh, But it was also co-written by Darren Starr. The creator of Sex and the City. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, and one of the producers and on Melrose this show... And Melrose Place, by the way. Also what, created Melrose Place. Yeah, one of the producers on this show uh, was... Uh, Sir, Sir... How do you pronounce it? Sirkov... Oh. Uh, he the the fellow who produced twenty four. Oh yeah, ended up yeah he directed a couple of these episodes. The, the, the uh, producer who produces for television, developed for television, is Clifton Kennedy. Mm. Uh, Clifton Kennedy, you'll know from such shows as The Glades, which is on somewhat recently, and in the nineties he did shows like Profiler, which was the other millennium, and Sequest twenty thirty two. So there's actually like <laughs> a weirdly good pedigree yeah. on this, and indeed uh, his name is Joel Cernov. Okay, sorry, I, I, I don't know, I can bring that up at that moment. But there yeah, you go, Joel Cernov. Yeah. That was the producer you were thinking of. And the unaired pilot Mm. was directed by Andy Tennant. Now, Andy Tennant was a prolific TV director Mm. who eventually made a bunch of hit movies. He directed Ever After, the Drew Barrymore Mm. Cinderella movie, which was a a sleepover classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, He directed Hitch. And he also directed a lot of Cancel Too Soon series, including Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the series. He's directed some episodes of the Briscoe County Junior. Mm. And he also did a show I'm going to try to track down called The Birds of Paradise. But it's birds with a Y, because that's their name. Beards of Paradise. Ah. It's about the band, the birds. Now, in the unaired pilot, we're introduced to a concept that they immediately abandon. And mm. I think it's one of the reasons why the pilot is unaired, because it's too <laughs> weird and creepy. Because the implication in the movies is that society is just, you know, has better values. And everyone's really laid back and chill and respects mm. art and whatever. And it's all cool. Um, in the pilot episode... It's not just that society is based on better understandings and blah. There's actually a church of Bill and Ted, and Rufus Mm. is the preacher. And this is like a homily he's saying at Sunday Mass about Bill and Ted. And it just makes the whole thing creepier. Mm. It just makes the whole thing like a little more like, oh, we're going to be indoctrinated into the world of Bill and Ted. I don't know how (laughs) to feel about that. Because the design of the future world is so stark and weird, yeah, it feels a little bit dystopian rather than utopian. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Bill and Ted, uh, have, they have a time machine, but in the course of the series, we learn it can do other things besides just travel through time. And you can tell that they're kind of and desperate to show that the show has legs, that it's not just going to be them going back in time, meeting mm. someone famous every time. Like, they want to try to find Which new would, ways to make it work. It would have been fine. It would have been sort of a Peabody and Sherman sort of mm. way, but yeah. This uh, first episode is definitely a, a, a sort of a case study in how we're going to play with the format. So, it, in, in during the course of the pilot, for instance, they end up using their time machine to somehow teleport themselves into a noir comic book. Yeah, the and they, time they machine... squash somebody, and he squashes flat into like paper. Yeah, and they're in black and white, and they're in all, they're all they're, in black and white. They go in black and white, and when they emerge from their time machine, they have brought back like this noir babe with them, but she is still in black and white. And my wife... Using clever makeup that yeah. kind of made her monochrome. It's actually pretty yeah. convincing makeup, I'll give him that. Mm. My wife, bless her, her big complaint was when this noir woman mm. starts uh, uh, looking around, it's like, oh my god, I can see color for the first time! Mm. My wife was just like, she should not be able to see color. <laughs> the way her eyes work and how she's never seen color before, she mm. would actually need to adapt to the idea that color exists. She, she's still perceiving everything in black and white. She wouldn't even know that color, color is a thing. It's frustrating because 
because there's so many elements of this show. <laughs> That's that, not the big problem. No, of the episode. no, there's a lot of problems with the show. But one of the big problems with the show when you're talking about it is mm. that a lot of times it's just like, well, that's a stupid motivation. They're stupid characters, the, so you can't really yeah. complain when they make bad decisions they because make, they're not smart. They make bad decisions, and I love that they have access to a time machine. You know, yeah, they, so they can com- make even worse they have, decisions. They have, they have, well, I mean, the point is they have they have they've tapped into the cosmic power of time. They can go throughout history. They can see the creation of the universe. They can talk to the greatest minds. Uh, but these two guys are such dim bulbs that the only thing that concerns them is oh, we need to clear out our. How can we use our time machine to clear out our garage so we can have a rehearsal space? Yeah, that's the the breadth of their vision. Yeah, they have the most incredible <laughs> machine in history. I feel like Mike TV and Willy Wonka. Just like you built a teleporter and this is what you're using it for. Um, so in this episode, uh, they they blown out their amp. Yeah, and but the dance is tomorrow. Mm. We're gonna have to get jobs, jobs. <laughs> so they go to a store called Nail World, and the joke is that it only sells nails, but that it's always really busy and it has a staff of a dozen people. Yeah, which is actually kind of funny. Yeah, it's not a thigh slapper, but it's a sets you up that this world is weird, a, a and little strange. bit bonkers. Well, it's a very savage Steve Holland kind of thing to do. Just mm. the world is just a little surreal, a little more uh, uh, jokey, but not quite Naked Gun Police Squad jokey. It's yeah, just full yeah. of weirdness. Uh, and they get uh, they go up to their new boss, or the guy who will be their new boss, Mister mm. uh, Kielsen, played by the great Danny Breen, who is a character actor who I think a lot of people recognize from the 90s, but he was never really in anything big. He ended up producing the Wayne Brady show and Whose Lines It Anyway in America for a while, Uh, but this is kind of like his biggest role in a lot of ways. But he was always in a lot of little things. Okay. Um... So you're and saying a, a show that lasted seven seasons in the early or seven, seven episodes. episodes in the early '90s? That's his biggest role. Well, largest role in the cast. Okay, like oh, he'll yeah, show yeah. up in like little tiny things here and there, but like he's oh, actually yeah. got character. He's in the oh, credits. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's what I mean. Okay. Um, Danny Breen will like. Oh, I can't really give you a job. I don't have enough work to go around. And then he says, "But if you take my daughter to the prom, mm. I'll make an exception." Oh. And then there we don't, we don't uh, see the daughter right away, but the way uh, Bill and Ted talk about her is she's she's a dog. Yeah, the implication she's, is that she's not a very attractive lady, yeah. and it, it actually makes them sound like assholes in a way that yeah. even even the worst episodes of the show that aired. Hmm. With the exception of one, which we'll get to, which is horrifying, uh, but for the most part, they're 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 pretty de- good natured people. Like it's kind of out of character for them to go on and on about how ugly someone is in front of her father. Yeah, like yeah. even they're not mean. They essentially have to use the time machine to go back in time and fix the things they said. Yeah, they made a huge faux pas. <clears throat> they were really rude. They need the money. They're just going to be like, okay, no, cool, we'll go back in time and we'll do it. They break their machine. They fix it with a noir comic book somehow. <laughs> and it turns out that the noir lady ends up kind of like getting kind of empowered by Ted's stepmom Missy, who, if you recall from the movies, is like a teenager. Only a few years, only a few years older than that. Yeah, like she was a senior when Ted was a freshman. In fact, m- one of my favorite jokes in the entire series comes from her, where uh, they're home from school, they're playing, and they say, "Why are Why aren't you at school today?" I say, "Well, you know, it's one of those teachers' holidays, so we get the day off." She says, there, "There's there there seem to be a lot more teachers' holidays these days than when I went to school." And they say, "Well, yeah, a lot's changed in six months." <laughs> and they're mean. It. It's not a mean, mean yeah. joke. It's just like, yeah, you. you were. So 
But the, that's, that's my favorite joke. She's no, really, great. really hot. Uh, she is played by Lisa Wilcox. Mm. And if you're a horror fan, you, you know can... Lisa Wilcox from A Nightmare on Elm Street 4. And 5. She and, was the yeah. dream master. Uh-huh. She was a big role in those movies. She's now playing Missy. She's she's sort of a sex object, but she gets an actual character. She gets a couple mm. episodes where she gets to break out and like have mm. a subplot of her own. Oh. But a lot of it is her wandering around in a bikini and Ted and Bill sort of having weird well, feelings. T- Ted Ted find like openly finds her attractive. Your your stepmom's a babe, and and Bill always says, "Shut up, Ted. That's my stepmom." Like he's trying. Yeah. He, but he, Bill is asked to like rub suntan lotion on her thighs, on her butt, which is a stuff, yeah. bit much. And uh, so. So he, I don't think he ever finds her attractive. He just thinks all of this is really, really awkward. He has a stepmom who's about his age and is really hot. And uh, Ted is always saying that she is hot. Mm-hmm. And, and right in front and, of her, too. And he keeps on saying, like, oh, she's hot. And he keeps saying, shut up, Ted. And I like as the show goes on, Ted doesn't have to say anything anymore. She does something that's really alluring. And Bill will just say, shut up, Ted. <laughs> So the pilot ends with a cliffhanger where they need to try to get the noir lady back in the comic book. Otherwise, her noir boyfriend will die, which is a confusing idea to begin with because they're fictional. Uh, but she has absconded with a whole bunch of noir money, which she won't be able to spend because it'll be in black and white. Oh. And they're running after the car. We got to get her back to be continued. It's never continued. Mm. The next episode, the first episode to air... Is Nail the Conquering Hero. Yeah, which basically is like a sequel. It's like they skipped the second episode in that because they mm. already have their jobs at Nail World. Mm. Uh, Danny Breen is still their boss. Um, and in this one, they have to... Uh, they, they go to work to pick up their paycheck. Their boss is worried because his boss is going to be coming to the store. Mm. Uh, and there's a weird mix-up. They end up getting way too much of like some sort of product. And Bill and Ted, in an effort to sort of be nice and make you know lemonade out of lemons, mm. build this really stupid they build a castle. Looking, they yeah. build a stupid-looking castle out of like water sealant. And it, it was it, it, was, it was, up, was like boxes. They just did a big display in the middle of the yeah. store. But it looks really. It, it doesn't look great, but whatever. The boss comes in, mm. loves it, mm. and Danny Breen takes all the credit. They feel really screwed over. Danny Breen ends up going to make a phone call in their phone booth. Accidentally, accidentally goes back in time to medieval times, where he meets King Arthur, played, played by, by Diedrich Diedrich Bader. Bader. I love Diedrich Bader. He's really funny. You know Diedrich Bader. He was like that. He was on sort the Drew of, Carey show. He was yeah. the, the one who wasn't Ryan Stiles yeah, in Napoleon uh, Dynamite. He was like the really overzealous, the, the ninja like a, warrior guy. Yeah, yeah, like the guy who wore like the American flag hammer pants. Uh, he like, was he's in, a funny actor, and he was in a canceled too soon series, which I know we're going to get to eventually because I insist. Uh, <laughs> Called Danger Theater, uh, uh, where he played a he played a it was a spoof of of Renegade. He played a character called the Searcher, this guy on a motorcycle in a leather jacket who was always being mutilated in some horrible way. It's hilarious. So the gag is Diedrich Bader is Arthur. He pulls the sword from the stone, but. The time machine shows up. Everyone starts running towards the sword in the stone, mm. and he panics and he thinks he's done something wrong. So he hands uh, Danny Breen the sword, and, and everybody now, thinks now he's rightful king yeah. of England. So and he, he becomes, starts taking the credit. He gets takes the credit, becomes king of England. To his to his credit, he thinks it's a dream. Yeah, because yeah. it's ridiculous. He starts, you know, Guinevere starts macking on him. Mm. He's like accidentally sending people off to war, and Bill and Ted show up. Yeah, and it, try to get him to. Give credit where credit is due. King Arthur Teach wants him to a kill him. Lesson. Yeah. yeah, and it ends up in a, in a big duel. It's kind of funny. The funniest bit actually 
is right at the end when Bill and Ted, they're grabbing their guy. Arthur has taken his rightful place and he's fighting the bad guy. And like right at the end, Bill and uh, Ted yells, watch out for Lancelot. (laughs) And then it just shows like Guinevere and Lancelot making good guys at each other. And they're just sort of looking around guiltily. (laughs) Which I'm just totally going to start saying that when I say goodbye to people. Watch out for Lancelot. (laughs) Um, It's never clear how much Bill and Ted actually know. Because they don't know who Albert Einstein is in a later episode. Yeah, they don't know who Albert Elvis is in a later episode. Yeah, like they've listened to a bunch of Elvis songs. But that's it. They don't actually understand why he's important. Okay, these guys, even if they're like the the dumbest type of metalheads that we, meatheads we had in the late 80s, even if like a, a rejected member of Hanoi Rocks or whatever you got, they would know who Elvis is. Elvis is not... Not famous. Yeah. Elvis is one of those historical figures, honestly, frankly, like Einstein, who, even if you don't know a lot about them, you're familiar with the basic concept. Right. You understand that there's Elvis, king of rock and roll. You mm. probably recognize the like the sideburns. Even if that's all you know, you, you know more than Bill and Ted did, apparently. Mm. Like that's it's it's pathetic. Um, it's a weird but yeah, so by shouting out, look out for like like he knows a little bit about the Arthurian legend is a little bit out of character. A little bit. We'll talk a little bit more about that. The, the second proper episode, third episode overall, mm. if you count the entered pilot, is As the Dude Turns, a.k.a. Mm. The Lives That We Live. And this is one where I'm watching it, and it slowly starts turning into what it's turning into. Mm. And I'm like, oh, fucking God, uh, yeah, no. Don't be that. Don't be that it, show, Bill and Ted. But it Do is. Do not. This is the transphobic episode. Well, this this is the one where, the one I keep on talking about, actually, uh, where they need to clear out their rehearsal space in the garage because Dad has moved in there with his car because something horrible happened on Mom's favorite uh, soap opera. Yeah. And now their schedule is all thrown off. Yeah. Missy's a soap <laughs> opera. Missy has a crush uh-huh. on a guy uh, on her soap opera. Uh, the the fake actor's name is Darren Starr, which is a funny little uh-huh. joke. Uh, he plays Dr. Lance Steelglass, or Steelblatt, St- one of those. I, missed I, think, I think it was like, yeah, Steel Hard. Something like that. Blast Hard Cheese, There's or whatever his name There's a hunky guy in her soap opera, and apparently mm. every day at lunch, Ted's father comes home, and Mom has been watching this soap opera. And they have and a little afternoon on, delight, yeah. And they have some afternoon delight. But yeah. on the on this week's episode, it turns out that the hunky guy she has a crush on, his character... Is a, is, is a trans woman is all a, along. Yeah, yeah, he's a transsexual. He's about to have a sex change operation. Mm. And this ruins it for her. Mm. Now, now that, that sort of plot point, the sort of like secret transsexual or some sort of uh, it turns out this character was gay or it turns out this character was mm-hmm. related to you that's all uh the that's soap even opera though, fodder. E- e- even yeah. though I wasn't watching soap operas, I understood that's what soap opera plots kind of got at when they were being a little bit mm-hmm. more outrageous. And uh, the stock mockable transsexual character uh, was set was uh, unfortunately kind of a common parody point, and it's and it plays. It, I mean, honestly, it was um, pretty gross then. It's super duper crazy well, gross now. It's cra- at least, crazy gross no, now in, in the age. Disgusting in the in the age of trans visibility. Now that we uh, yeah. don't see trans people as just sort of crazy objects of parody, it, it's it's yeah. kind of difficult to watch. It's really difficult to watch. This uh, is an ugly episode. Back now, back then, you know, in a show for kids, it was just supposed to be kind of weird and silly. Yeah, isn't well, it silly that a man is wearing a dress? Well, they even have this. Here's the deal. So the plot of the episode mm-hmm. is Bill and Ted hook their time machine up to their cable box. And they can, so they can enter the show. They can enter the show and try to convince this guy not to be a transsexual so that their mom will get laid. There's so much wrong with that, yeah. I don't even know where to begin. Well, but they, hold on. They try to at least 
fix his drama, but they bring so much drama into the no. show. It seems like just for funsies. Well, the idea is that they go into a soap opera and they get involved in a soap opera and soap operas are weird. Mm. Soap operas are weird. That's fodder for comedy. The trans element is what doesn't work because it's not just, hey, it's just a show. Mm. Who cares? Like, my, my wife put it this way. Um, mm-hmm. They have to go into a TV show to ruin representational diversity. Mm-hmm. That's the plot. But beyond that, even though that's just like, oh, we're just going to change the plot of the show. Who cares? They're fictional. You could have made that argument. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a good argument, but you could possibly make it. But a lot of the dialogue is confusion over the whole idea of transsexuality. Here's a line of dialogue. That yeah, Bill well, you know what? Bill Why would a doctor to, uh, who could get any babe he wants uh, want to be a babe? Because he's a transsexual, Bill. You know what? Because he's a transsexual. I don't expect a lot of sophisticated thinking from Bill and Ted. It's okay if they've encountered a transsexual person for the first time, and I think the way they went about it was kind of sensitive because they, they they thought it was weird, but they were okay with they it. They were not okay with it. They spent the entire episode convincing him to be otherwise. There are other no, characters. only until the very last scene did they start convincing him to be otherwise. They actually were taking it very much in stride. They were never uncomfortable around him. They were never comfortable they around ne- him. They, ne- they never g- gave a slur at him. They never said anything insensitive yes. to his face but there's this element that this the the mm. transsexuality is um is a mistake it's an error it's illogical there are characters other than bill and ted who have dialogue like this missy goes to yeah, her nails that, hold on that's the way people who have never met a trans person I, talk i, I know and that's fun. i'm just explaining yeah. why it's ugly and uncomfortable yeah. and not really fun to watch especially mm. now um it, it, at the time it would have been too but really now now that we have so much more mm. visibility um, they Missy goes to her nail salon and like I think like her hairstylist or whatever mm. says something uh, says can you believe a hunk like that is confused about his sex mm. he's not confused he's, <laughs> he's gonna get he's very he, resolute he, he knows yeah. what he's what he what he's doing mm. now it turns out in the plot of the show that like an enemy of his who's trying to steal his wife has convinced his psychologist mm. to convince this guy that he's a transsexual which just again, feeds into the idea that transsexuality is some sort of mistake and Mm. it's just really ugly and it's not funny. It it could have been a funny idea. Soap operas are weird. Mm. That's Fine. And they do a lot of jokes you know about like that, really rattling off terrible plot points. That sort of that's, you that, could have played with that. And that sort of insensitivity, you could you could even argue perhaps that this show was trying to send that up because mm. soap operas did that. And it would be fine. No, it would not be fine. It might be fine if that was only in the soap opera. Mm. It's not. All that dialogue I was just talking about, mm. that's not in the soap opera. That's what makes it. I'm talking about the overall concept of the show. The overall concept. No, I, I don't want. I don't want to defend the insensitivity. Yeah, I, don't wanna, okay. I want to say want, that, the, 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 that that's not what I'm getting at here. I'm I just know. saying that it's it's coming from a place of of na- naivete. And ignorance, I, think, I would say. I think that it, that ignorance and that naivete is something that was very very real yeah. at the time, and it's uncomfortable for us to watch this now. Yeah. But there's no hate in this episode, and there's no hate from Bill and Ted until the very last scene where they where he renounces his gender, which, yeah. which is. Really offensive. Which is the, the only offensive it, part. It's really quite offensive. I think, I, I think it's, it comes from a different time when I think they throughout didn't since, think this was horrible, since, but it's horrible. I think since Bill and Ted are such fecklessly kind people that mm. they're just sort of nice to him throughout. Mm. And they're a little bit confused by this concept, but they roll with it, I think makes it a little more sensitive than perhaps it might seem on the surface until that one scene where he just says, oh, and by the way, I'm a man again. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, great. Well, they, right. they do have Hooray, heteronormativity. I, I will say this. They do have a couple mm. of funny side gags mm. about soap opera stuff. Like, there's this one bit where their air guitars, whenever they do air guitar in Bill and Ted, movies mm. and TV show, you actually hear an air, like a guitarist go, 
uh, it doesn't work, but they can do air organ. Air, right. Because <laughs> like, organ music was very big in soap uh, opera themes this, for a while. This was the one episode I remember seeing when the show originally aired. Oh, weird. I was flipping around on a Saturday morning. Weird. It's like there was I, I didn't even know there was a Bill and Ted TV series, but yeah. I was a huge fan of the movies. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll watch this episode. And it was kind of bland and flat and not that funny. And the credits, <laughs> so and I didn't didn't seek it out again, but I did is, see this episode back in 1992. This is one of those shows where we were able to track down, uh, uh, thanks to a fan, we were able to track down an original recording. This has never been released on home video. So, like, over the credits, they have, like, mm-hmm. a lot of, like, you know, coming up next on Fox. True Colors. Yeah, yeah true. It was always True Colors was next, but there was one time when after True Colors, Revenge of the Nerds Part 3, which was a made-for-TV movie mm-hmm. that I remember watching, which <laughs> means... I just missed this show. <laughs> and I remember thinking about I remember watching that show. It was in the breakfast room and it was stupid. Like I just it struck me as funny that I narrowly missed watching that episode. Um, but there's another funny bit that I do appreciate and I do want to throw out where they're in a car in the soap opera mm-hmm. and uh the car is... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and we, car, see, we see lights behind them, and it's smoky, and it's just shaking around. They're clearly driving down a rough road. Yeah, but it's clearly like a fake car on a set that's mm. just being moved a little bit. And it's like, I know we're in a car, but it feels like we're not going anywhere. Yeah, let's leave. And they just walk outside of the, the car. Yeah, the car keeps on moving, and, the, and yeah, we see the airs like zipping by, but they just get it's out. It's a funny bit. Anyway, yeah. it's an uncomfortable episode to watch, and it kind of mm. does sully a lot, but... Mm. Um, yeah, I just, I, I mm. there was, it the was other a, thing my wife said, is that it, there was, was a, it was a different time. My wife, another quote I wrote down uh. that my wife, Michelle, said, who's been on the show before when we mm. did uh, Dragon Half, uh, the constant accompaniment to this episode was the sound of air being sucked through our cheeks. Because, <laughs> like, every other minute, we're just like, wow, that's not good. Episode three is the one where Rufus nearly ruins the world. Yeah, it's called It's a Totally Wonderful Life. Totally Wonderful Life. Rufus has a vision in the future, in, yeah. in the 2600s. And uh, he, he sees Bill and Ted as playing polka, mm-hmm. and he is eating chicken Kiev. Yeah. He, these are dark portents because he hates chicken Kiev and he hates polka. Uh, and so he gets in the time machine, uh, but he screws up and goes to 1996. No, no, no. You're missing it wrong. You're, okay, here's the deal. He goes back in time. To check on Bill and Ted. To make sure everything is okay. Why he assumes it's only going to be that exact time. 92. And it seems like everything's kind of going okay. And that maybe there was going to be an issue. Ted's dad, you'll recall, was like the chief of police. Mm. Or the commissioner or one or the other. And it's constantly threatening to send him off to military school. Yeah, even in the show, Ted's just like, ah, threat's getting old. (laughs) Um, But this one really could happen because Ted is responsible at the key store, which I guess also does engraving. Or the nail store. Mm. They also do engraving. Uh, he's responsible for making sure all of the like policemen of the year awards are engraved properly. Mm. Uh, Rufus, Rufus says, "I can handle that. Don't yeah, you worry. I'll I, make sure I, everything goes off without a hitch, so the future is secure." And then he goes back into the future, thinking he's done real, real well. well and he, the future has been taken over by douchebags. Yeah, not not just douchebags. Douchebags who love polka. Yeah. And uh, he's thrown into, like, laser prison, and it's like, like a <laughs> great, great low-rent sci-fi set. It looks like Test Tube Teens from the year 2000. If I, you've ever seen that, I, like, Skinamax yeah. comedy, that's what it looks like. I love low-rent sci-fi sets and anything. <laughs> and uh, so he's put into a prison, which is just, like, a box with lights in it, and he's next to, like, this heavy metal dude. It's like, I'm part of the heavy metal underground. And I love <laughs> the idea that there's a heavy metal underground in this dystopian polka future. And... Everybody eats chicken Kiev, which is awful. I like um, chicken Kiev. 
Chicken Kiev, if you don't know, is breaded chicken with cheese in it. It's, it's fine. It's not. It's, it's not great food, but it's okay. It's, it's nothing wrong with it. Sounds super gross to me, but it's, yeah. You never had chicken. Oh, that's right. You don't eat meat. I, I don't eat meat. Chicken but, yeah. Kiev is fine. Like it, it, no one's uh, gonna like. I, I've never heard anyone go. Ugh, it's disgusting. It's, yeah. like, it's fine. It's, I, I, it's I chicken, never heard chicken and cheese. It sounds like a Savage, savage Steve Holland sort of thing. It's it like does. chicken. Chicken Kiev is like the the, mm. the evil. So he breaks out of prison. He realizes his goes, mistake was yeah. he had. Chick- he was so worried about the chicken Kiev that when he was doing all the engraving, he, he wrote had, chicken Kiev in, on the form rather than Ted's, Ted's father's, father's name. name. So Ted's father was humiliated, and Ted ended up going split. to military school while Stallions got split up, and then he ends up the, his time machine gets broken again. So instead of going back to when he was supposed to go back to fix everything, then he goes up to nineteen ninety six. He goes to nineteen ninety six. Bill and Ted. There's still blind bl- melon records everywhere. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> oh my god, j- tidal wave of Jerry Maguire. What, and, there's a couple uh, interesting things about this because we see them four years in the future, and the things have gone awry. Mm. Bill is now like running Nail World, but uh, he's, he's like a, an aggressive, douchey, yuppie guy, and yeah. he's really mean and aggressive. Yeah, uh, um, and. Uh, Bill, uh, sorry, Ted, uh we see Ted, and it's actually a good bit, because Ted is basically just a a, a drug dealer. Mm. That's that's what he is. He's Christian Bale from The Fighter, but he's dealing drugs. That's what he looks like, that's what he sounds like. And then a cop tries to arrest him. Ted offers to bribe him $100. The cop takes it, and then it turns out Ted is internal affairs. So, so he essentially entrapped another cop. Yeah, uh, so, th- so it won't stick. Uh-oh. It's not working, and he's told that if he wants to go into the FBI like he wants to, he's going to have to arrest Bill for like insider trading or whatever now, he's doing. It's this episode um, where I actually kind of realized what good actors our two leads are. Yeah. Uh, Evan Richards and uh, Christopher Kennedy, they have the mannerisms of... Alex Winter and, and Keanu Reeves down pretty well. Yeah, it, the, it feels the vocal, a little more affected than it, it did it, in the movie. It feels, it feels, it feel, does feel like an imitation rather than they're playing characters. But they, it's a really good imitation. Fair enough. I think uh, Christopher Kennedy in particular has the sort of bouncy body language it that gets, Keanu Reeves had. It feels like it gets more natural to them as the series yeah. progresses. I accepted but, them more in episode seven than I did in the pilot. They were doing such powerful kind of fakey imitations that you just sort of got this kind of slapsticky vibe from them. And in this one, they're actually playing real characters. Characters, and they actually well, have to emote, and they have a little bit more range. And they no longer, then they no longer talk like this. The yeah, idea so, is that they're able to grow up a bit. Yeah, that and they are young, and that they are capable of maturing, we, which actually does explain a bit about why Wild Stallions will be successful later. And, and the chemistry they have is actually only evident once that you see how much they can hate each other, which is a weird thing to say. Hmm. So when they're actually kind of sniping and mean characters, it's—I mean—it's a cartoonish meanness. This is a show yeah. for kids, but there's some range to but, it. Yeah, they're, they actually have some range. You get to see. Yeah, these guys actually have. Of something, yeah, and it's great. Yeah, it's not like, great. I mean, it's, might be an exaggeration, but it's a it, decent it's, episode. It's great to see that happen. Is yeah. my point, and it's and it mm. does. You know, these guys who, mm. even if the show was a hit, were always going to be seen as the lesser Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. Mm. Um, it's nice that they had some to work with, and they had an episode mm. where they got to actually show off a little bit. Yeah. And they're they're good in this episode. This episode ends weird though because they well, go that, to the future uh-huh. to make sure everything's been fixed. And all that happens is they go into like that throne room they end up in, and like the, the first the, Bill and Tad the movie, one, the one set they have, which is like, yeah. like don't yeah. don't turn the camera like one degree yeah. to the left or right because you'll see the edge of the set. And this and like this whole, they bring in like a bunch of kids in like weird cult well, robes. It's, it's, it's what happened. It's what happened in the movie. No, but it's a bunch of kids when, now. 
It's like little kids. Listen, there's some little kids. It's, I, it's a variety of the people. The idea is that it's just like we've they, been indoctrinated do, into Bill Ted. And they do the, the air guitar. We're doing the air guitar. But it well, feels it, creepier. It, and it imagine, doesn't really Imagine, have, though, if like, you know, Plato or Jesus Christ or, you know, an important figure in Western history uh-huh. appeared in a room in front of you. You'd, you'd say you'd have a little bit of awe, right? There'd be, no, there's a difference no. between awe uh-huh. and dramatic weirdness. Because this was a show, this was mm-hmm. an episode about Chicken Kiev polka futures and bill and ted <laughs> fighting each other and it ends with like a solid 30 seconds mm. of sheer weird reverence now, this, this would was... be like an episode of nypd blue mm. ends with everyone going to church and praying for five minutes this it doesn't really fit this works for me because the way we, we saw this we saw this on uh, on digitally and yeah they were all out of order and i saw this one last oh. and if the show ended on that note just a sort of final <laughs> prayer to the characters and that's the way we go out then it's great. Yeah, <laughs> it actually works far, fine. Huh? All right. Episode well, f- I, great it, with a small G. <laughs> episode five. Probably the best idea for an episode that mm. they had. This is the, the Elvis episode. Yeah. Hunka hunka Bill and Ted. And the idea is that Bill and Ted and their boss, Danny Breen, mm. uh, have entered into an Elvis impersonator con- uh, uh, contest because the winner is supposed to get a record contract. Right. Very contrived, but okay. <laughs> Bill and Ted think this is their chance. This is where Wild Stallions is going to get their record mm. contract. And they don't even do an Elvis impersonation. They just kind of half-heartedly sing an Elvis song that they heard once. Mm. Um, no, they have a tape, an Elvis tape, and they've yeah. listened to it a bunch. They haven't researched who Elvis is or why he's significant. What he all looks they, like. All they know is that they get a record contract. Yeah. Again, rock guys, no matter how ignorant, would know who Elvis At Presley is. At least a is. bit. And so they, they again, even Danny Breen gives him a big speech, an honest speech about why Elvis was significant to him. And they're kind of inspired by it. So, so they th- go back in time. They go back in time to meet Elvis. And they feel super rejected. And they're dealing with this idea that we're supposed to be the biggest band in the world. We know this. Mm. Like, not just in our heart. Like, we've been told. It's in the future. We keep getting rejected. We feel really, really bad about this. They go back in time to before Elvis was big, when he hadn't found his sound yet. Uh-huh. And Elvis is on the verge of quitting. He's like, you know, this is never going to work. And he's, I'm just going to be a truck driver. And he's playing It's All Right, but sort of like a slow, yeah. mellow version that didn't show up on the records. So, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it's not rock yet. The, it's just, the, the guy they got to play Elvis... Yeah. Oh, let's see if I can find his name here. Yeah. Um, is Todd McDermott. Yeah, who did not and have a big acting career. Did not have a but big acting career. I, I'm guessing he's a professional Elvis impersonator because he's really good. He's really good. Yeah. He's, he's Nails like, the movement, looks pretty convincing. Uh, he looks pretty. Con- he looks like Elvis, but he looks like a really handsome version of Elvis. Oh, yeah. Now, Elvis was a sex symbol, but it's kind of hard for a lot of modern audiences to look at his face and say, because mm, the way a stud looks to a modern audience looks different than that now. No, it's just tastes and what is attractive yeah, but, change over time. But, yeah. He, he, he hits that sort of sweet spot in the middle. Like, he looks like Elvis, but he also looks like a modern stud he's great yeah there's uh, this weird bit in this episode because again mm. we've established bill and ted don't know who elvis is ha 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 mm. ha ha but there's this bit after they meet elvis in the past where i think it's ted uh. who says you were heinously singing like eddie arnold and i'm like you know who eddie arnold is uh, he doesn't know who elvis don't know who is. El- like it, and yeah. it doesn't really yeah. play like a joke mm. they don't really make a point of it I don't know if that was supposed to be funny or not. If it's just an See, oversight, it would have been funnier if they went back in time and they knew every detail yeah. about Elvis's life. It's like, oh, and this is where he got his first contract at Sun Records, and this is where he went on they that never, hayride. They never go back in time and meet anyone they know about. 
Yeah. It'd be kind of cool if there was someone. Like, even mm. if they only went, like, back a little bit. And mm. they went back to when Black Sabbath was founded or something like that. You could have yeah. done that eventually. That might have been kind of fun. But, you know, from a movie that had the line, who was Jonah's, Joan of Arc? And he says, Noah's wife. It, it's kind of fitting. <laughs> that's still a funny joke. <laughs> Stupid joke, but that's still funny. <laughs> Stupid as hell. So, they basically, they try to convince, they, they realize that Elvis is going through the same crisis of confidence that they had. Mm. And they have to convince Elvis to keep sticking with it. Mm. To go to that big uh, what was the thing the hayride yeah the hayride which is going to be like his big breakout moment mm-hmm. and they end up doing like a big top secret musical number in a bowling alley because they play Elvis's later music and Elvis realizes that's where I was getting it wrong it wasn't mm-hmm. Rock and roll, yeah. And in fact, he, it's great that they play an Elvis song. They licensed an Elvis song a real for the episode, Elvis song, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, he's a, and he recognizes his own voice immediately. He's like, hey, wait a minute. That's that's yeah. me. And there's a kind of an elaborate dance number. Yeah. It's, it looks pretty okay. They use a lot of footage in the credits because it yeah. it's a decent production. Uh, they, they sing All Shook Up. Yeah. Now, All Shook Up is like a two and a half minute single. It's real short. Yeah. Uh, they Punchy play, gets to the point. They, they play half of it, and then he says, wait a minute, start that over again. Let's give this another try. And they play an extended remix of All Shook Up, <laughs> and then they finish it. So they essentially play the whole, the entirety of All Shook Up two and a half times mm-hmm. in the course of a 22-minute episode. Yeah. It's but, fine. That's and, a great and, song, and, and it fits. And all, and all I could hear was Crow T. Robot saying, we paid for the song, we're going to use all of it. <laughs> Well, yeah, but it fits, though. And this is a good Bill and Ted episode. It's a funny idea. They take Elvis back to the present mm. so that he can win the Elvis impersonation contest, but he isn't Elvis yet. There's a but conversation we, yeah. someone had. Uh, who but is we it? don't see it, unfortunately. Like, yeah, this, not, like Not really. Like, why why have that element where they take him back to the present? They just go back to the present. Leslie Jones did this bit on Saturday Night Live, and it wasn't even really so much comedy as much as it was a good life lesson, uh-huh. where she was talking about um, failure, and she was talking about, and there's like a meme of this you can find it pretty mm. easily about how Oprah got fired when she was like 24 mm. from for doing basically the job she ended up being famous for mm. and someone said well that was a mistake and listen no that was not a mistake because Oprah wasn't Oprah uh-huh. <laughs> Oprah was just some girl who needed to fail so that she would pick herself up again and become mm. Oprah. And that's a good lesson. That's a yeah. good lesson for anybody. This is actually like, a, I, I would argue this is in many ways is the best episode of the show. Just because um, the, the premise works. Yeah, yeah. They got a good person to play someone famous. Mm. Um, they're not trying to like make it all fancy and come up with a bunch of weird shit that doesn't really fit. Like, oh, well, go send them to a TV. Again, the quote uh, Drew McQueenie from oh. the previous episode we did, that's putting a hat on a hat. Like, I don't know if we need that, but okay. Like, this episode just works pretty well. Mm. It's kind of funny. I like it. It's never great. But the show the show's never great. It's it's the best you could say about it is that it's just affable and it's mm. watchable. It's it's a hamburger, it's like a junk yeah. food. Never never disgusting, mm. but never fulfilling. All right, there are three more episodes. And episode 6 is Destiny Babes. So uh they they ha- Notice that everybody at their school is making out but them. They uh, have a crush on two women that they just call their destiny babes. They know they're destined to see these babes. I'm guessing the women from the movies are sort of just not present here. It's weird because the implication was in the first movie, the first Mm. Bill and Ted movie, that the princesses that they saved for the Middle Ages were in the present. They were going to be their girlfriends. And in the second movie, they're in the band. And in in Bill and Ted's bogus journey, they're going to ask them to marry them. Yeah, they they propose, in fact. So this place takes place in the middle, when but those girls don't exist. And I get the impression the idea was, look, we don't want them to be tied down with a serious relationship. Mm. It's a story for young people. We want to have a bunch of dating subplots. Mm. But it seems a little disrespectful to the whole story that we were supposed to be invested in in the first place. 
It's frustrating. So but in any but way, it, the, in any case. we have to just accept that they're single now. And yeah. they see Destiny Babes. They ask them out, but they're shot down immediately because they're just awkward and dumb. And they don't know what to say to women. Yeah. Uh, I like that they're not ladies' men. Yeah. That's actually kind of refreshing. Yeah. Uh, so they decide, well, you know, we keep hearing this guy when people are talking about love being name-checked, this guy named Casanova. Why don't we go back in time and meet Giacomo Casanova? Yeah. Okay. So they do, and they end up saving him from a duel, and they take him into the present. And Casanova starts seducing women left and right, uh-huh. and they start taking notes, and Casanova is, like, telling poetry to women, and they're just sort of sort of fawning over him because mm. it's glorious poetry. They're like, oh, that's what we need to do. We need to say poetry. Mm. So they talk to these two, uh, they, they call them, what do they call them again? Destiny Bay. No, no, not the destiny babes, like the practice babes. Oh, I forgot. Babes. Yeah, like the alternative yeah. babes. Warm up babes. They talk about warm up babes. <laughs> let's, let's try it out on these women, and if we get slapped, nothing lost. Yeah. yeah so they talk to the babes, mm-hmm. and they do some poetry, and they're terrible at it. And it just Ted's just like your love's like flower stuck in some dirt, and it's just like you, you can tell he missed the point entirely. And she looks at him very longingly and says. I know karate and I will use it. <laughs> and it's kind of funny. Yeah. Right. And so they end up getting in a big barroom brawl with Casanova with all the women's boyfriends and everything. And what they learn ultimately, Casanova says, is no, you, the point wasn't to be like me. The point was confident. To, yeah. Confident. Be confident in who you are and what you have to offer another human being. And they go to the babes and say, hey, listen, we were kind of douches before. And we, we, don't, we don't really know Ted Nugent as if that was a selling point. <laughs> And they're going on a date, but it turns out the girls aren't very interested in them. They don't really have well, anything interesting to talk they're, about. They're not in. The girls aren't interesting people. Yeah. All they, they just want to talk about fashion, and that's they're just yeah. just as empty headed as they are. That's the but in a way that turns them off. And I think yeah. that, that's yeah, they're empty headed about different things. Yeah. So like the way Bill and Ted are about about music, that's exactly the way these women are about fashion. They don't connect, mm. and that's the bit. And that's okay. That's fine. It's a perfectly okay yeah. episode. It's not too bad. Um, the seventh episode mm. or the seventh. Sixth episode that aired, uh-huh. seventh episode total. Deja vu uh, is the one where they go to Woodstock with Ted's dad. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who who is going by the name Moondog? Uh, yeah. This is the second episode directed by David Nutter, who went on to do a lot of X Files episodes. Yeah. He also directed the film Disturbing Behavior. Yeah, uh, big TV director. Big, t- big, big TV director. Yeah, uh, yeah. They go back in time to Woodstock, and uh, yeah. they it, end it, up end up in a microbus with Ted's dad. Now, Ted's dad is like this button-down military guy. Yeah, who tells so, stories about how when I was your age, yeah. I had two part-time jobs and was still on the honor roll. And it turns out he was a hippie who skipped school a lot. Well, it, I, I'm guessing that there was a point where he sort of took time off from being straight-laced and decided to go out into the world and be a hippie, yeah. uh, but it turns out that's not who he was. He yeah. always wanted to be kind of a straight-laced dude. Yeah. Um, so, uh, But yeah, they spend a lot of the time in a microbus. He quotes the song Signs, which was big at the time. Yeah. Do you remember the song? that Sign, sign, everywhere, everywhere sign. Yeah. Then, then, but it, was the, a, it was a Tesla song, but it was a cover from a song from the 50s. The I, o- I looked up some info on the song. I, I, I checked that too. I was like, is that even in the right time period? Turned out it came out a year before Woodstock. Perfectly fine. Yeah. Uh, the opening of this well, episode. What I is, love about that yeah. though is that it's a song both of them would have been familiar with. Yeah. Because this was 1992 when the song was a hit again. Fair point. It, it was perfect cr- synchronicity. Perfect. Great song perfect. selection. The opening of this episode is really, really funny though. So there's a battle of the bands, and Bill and Ted got the time wrong. Mm. They were supposed to go on at seven. They heard nine for some reason, and they get there. It's over, and it turns out their music appreciation teacher, um, uh, who is played by an actress named Barbara Allen Woods, um, who... Oh, wait, no, that's Mrs. Logan, sorry. No, that's Ted's mom. Ted's mom is Barbara Allen Woods, sorry. I mean, mm. they look kind of similar, because they're both you know blonde women, same mm. hairstyle. Uh, but Barbara Allen Woods was in One Tree Hill, the Honey, I Trying the Kids TV series, uh, 
the movie I Downloaded a Ghost, in which Ellen Page downloads a ghost. Uh, that movie's awesome. And also a really cool sci-fi film from the early 90s called Circuitry Man, which nobody oh, talks I ha- about. I haven't seen Circuitry Man. You know, Man. It's, it's pretty those, fun. Those ones I always saw on the shelf and it's, always passed up at the video store. It's an interesting, low-budget cyberpunk movie. Like, right. It's, it's kind of neat. Um, but... They go in, the music appreciation teacher is just does not appreciate music anymore. And it's just yeah, mean well, to them. So they want to go back in time no, 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 to when she was young. still skipping the cool part. Oh, fine. The cool fine, part fine. is Ted's mom shows up, mm-hmm. takes one look at the music appreciation teacher, and they get in a huge fist fight in the high school halls. They end up going to jail <laughs> where dad shows up and assumes Ted's responsible for everything. And Ted says, no, she just met her music appreciation teacher. And they got in a huge fight. And dad's just like, oh, did she win? <laughs> and it turns out they have this long history with a music appreciation teacher who used to be Ted's dad's girlfriend until Ted's mom stole her. Mm. They were arrested on the side of the road for being hippies. Yes. And then they're in jail together and Ted's future mom Mm. is the daughter of like the police commissioner. And sees this hippie guy. Yeah. Although at first well, she first has a crush on Ted. First she sees Ted and says, wow, what a handsome drink of water. It's like, well, what about this guy? I can't even see his face. So they pull his hair back and she says, oh, wow. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah. We're running that out of time in this episode. We can't do the full Back to the Future. I'll just, we'll, we'll name check it and move on. <laughs> and then he just says, like, yeah, no, I actually didn't really like being a hippie. I actually always wanted to be, like, really conservative. Mm. Which is fine. It's a little judgmental towards hippies, but it's like the episode, it's, but it's, it's okay. A, it's about being true to yourself, yeah. and he always wanted a, sort of a, a cleaner lifestyle. He didn't yeah. want to be a hippie, so yeah. It's okay. Uh, it has a really golden line of dialogue, which I tweeted. <laughs> 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 because I had to. Um, dudes are the weaker sex. Babes bounce back. Yeah, that's the mantra they give the yeah. music appreciation teacher so she won't grow up bitter. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out she she did she did grow up more positive and more happy and she got over this, yeah, so this when heartache. They, when they go back to the present, she's actually better natured now. Yeah, I always thought that was kind of the point of the episode mm. where uh, they were kind of going back in time to figure out why their music appreciation teacher was so bitter. Right, but it's another one though where they go back in time and th- look. Their dad is, was policeman of the uh, Ted's dad was policeman of the year. Mm. He's successful at what he does, and even he says a point where I want to. Go, I want to get married, I want to have a 9-to-5 job, and I want to have kids, and I want to yell at them every day so that they know that they're loved. <laughs> like, that's his idea of wow. love, is tough love. So, mm-hmm. like, even that, we're going back in time to someone before they figured out who they were. And, that's, again, it's a recurring theme in the show, and it's an yeah. okay little theme. <laughs> um... But yeah, then, anyways, we have, then we have the final episode, which is the Albert Einstein episode. Yeah, it's called Stand Up Guy, which one was directed by Todd Holland, who also directed the 1980s cult classic The Wizard, about playing Nintendo for fun and profit. Oh, I loved that commercial uh, movie. Movie. Uh, it's not a not a commercial for Nintendo at yeah. all. So there's the the joke of this one is that Bill and Ted are being picked on by their math teacher because they mm. don't know anything. Because they're, they're to be fair, they're complete idiots. Like yeah. they don't even know what a trapezoid is. Yeah. Three-year-olds know what a trapezoid is. Anyway, but okay. so they're, so everyone starts jokingly calling them Einstein. They mm. don't know who that is. So they ask the smartest kid in school, mm. Glenn Nevis. Because he, he got a B-plus once. <laughs> Which is a pretty funny joke. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Glenn Nevis says, Einstein is to me what I am to you. He's like mm. the smartest person in history. So they go back in time to meet Einstein. And Einstein hasn't figured out his theory of relativity. Oh, it's like an Animaniacs episode. But, yeah, but by the way, every historical figure they meet does speak English. There's oh, no course. no language barrier at all. So Einstein Again, is... Again, a Doctor Who premise. Yeah. There you go. Well, in Doctor Who, they have like 
translators or something. I assume the phone booth does the same. Like it, it, like they have something in their ear. I don't know what it is. And and also a hologram that projects on their lips. So it looks like they're speaking the language they're speaking. Anyway, he speaks English. Yeah. And uh, he, he's on the cusp of figuring out relativity, but he's really frustrated. He's frustrated. And he feels like he's dumb. Like he feels like he can't get it. And when they say, we're trying to make sure people don't call us Einstein. He thinks Einstein is like, Oh, well yeah, because I'm stupid. Yeah. Like he actually takes it the wrong way. Einstein, by the way, is played by Artie Johnson. Mm. uh, Very prolific character actor. Character actor, famous comedian that showed, showed up, goes back to the 60s. He was in the famous, Twilight famous Zone, guy, the yeah. president's analyst. He, he, I think he, he showed, up on, showed up on Laughing. Oh, yeah, I think he's, yeah. He's, he's been around. But it turns out that Einstein is having so much trouble with the theory of relativity that he is on the verge of quitting and going back to his true passion. Stand-up comedy! <laughs> kind of funny? He Again, actually has a couple this, of funny jokes. No, he doesn't. No, like like dad jokes. He's just yeah. like, ah, oh, my friend doesn't have a penny to his name, so, so he, he changed, changed his, his name. name. Ah, the old old Borschtbell crap. Uh, yeah. And so yeah, he gets up on stage, he bombs terribly, but he, he's determined to become a, a comedian. Yeah, but he tries. He treats it like science, which you could be turned into more of a joke. There's this one frustrating line of dialogue where he says, "Jokes are like uh, 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 Shakespeare's classical three act structure." I'm like. Shakespeare, Shakespeare used five, five act plays. plays. <laughs> I guess even Einstein doesn't know everything. Mm-hmm. But in any case, he goes up stage. He bombs. Bill and Ted put like a cheat sheet in his pocket, and the cheat sheet is the notes he had for the theory of relativity. So when he pulls his notes out, he starts giving his relativity speech. The club, by the way, full of other physicists. They were they were <laughs> ch- channeled there by Bill and Ted, yeah. who immediately whip out pads and start taking notes. <laughs> The ignorance in science by the writers of this episode is is pretty strong. I was really surprised whatever. that they didn't uh, go with the old chestnut that Albert Einstein was bad at school. Yeah. Like yeah. he got bad grades or that he was bad at math in school. Now, that's actually a bit apocryphal. Like that's or at least exaggerated by time mm. that he did bad in school. Apparently he did fine is my understanding. But like you could have done that. And that also would have been valid. Like just because mm. you're bad at one subject doesn't mean you're a bad person or that you're not smart or capable of learning. Instead, they went with fuck it. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he was fine. He was fine. And Bill and Ted end up learning the theory of relativity reasonably well, like at least understanding uh, the basic philosophical premise. For, so, for they, somebody who doesn't know what a trapezoid is, that's kind of a yeah, Herculean they, they, they feat. They go up but, and they say, "We'll stop. We'll stop calling on you in class and making and making a point of it if you just tell me what a trapezoid is." Mm. And like, no, that's too easy a question. They do not know what a trapezoid is. <laughs> We're going to tell you the theory of relativity, and then they do, and that's the end of the show and the mm. series. Yeah. So the question well, question now comes down. Was it canceled? Was it canceled too, too soon? Uh, I'm gonna say no. <laughs> I don't think. Here's here's the problem with this show. Here's oh. the problem with this show. Occasionally, it's very funny. Like there's a some jokes that land, like hmm. really land, and the premise is fine. Yeah. The and, tone is is inconsistent. Well, the episodes I, waffle mm. from dumb jokes to legitimately funny jokes to truly weird jokes. Over and over and over this again, was, uh, and it never quite finds a consistent uh, personality, and it never is consistently good enough. It's just be, good in fits and starts. To be fair, the film is a really weird premise to it begin is. with. It's an odd flick. Uh, I loved it when I was ten. It was like one of my favorite mm. movies of all time when I was Both ten years old. Movies again, they're relics, and, but they're funny now. But so it, it was. It's difficult for me to appreciate just how odd a premise that is. These two slackers have a time traveling phone booth, and they meet historical figures. It seems so natural and uh, yeah. It's, retrospect. Uh, yeah, I know. It's it's like well, of course. <laughs> well, it's, but of, it's cor- a- of course gremlins multiply when you throw water on them. Well, That's just the natural order. Bill and Ted is a simple fantasy. Mm. We're struggling in school. There's a magical thing in Majigger that helps us with it. That's mm. done, how many TV shows have had that thing where someone gets hit on the head and they have a flashback right. and they go back in time and learn something. It's that, but it's literalized. Mm. It's 
It's still silly, but it's so, understandable. So, so sort of cramming that into the sitcom uh, sort of cliches of the day, uh, I think just wasn't a really good fit. I think mm. uh, if they had developed the idea a little bit more and sort of stuck to maybe a little bit more of the sci-fi rules, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more like where they kept the phone booth, when they had a like, license to use it, it maybe would have played a little bit better. I think we were expected to just sort of accept the premise a little bit too strongly uh, to really kind of well, jibe with the, the program's humor. Also, I'm I, when I was watching, this is what they call a single camera sitcom, and that there's mm-hmm. no live audience, there's no laugh track. I think the uh, show might have done better with a laugh film. track. I was about to say, it, in my head, if they had multiple cameras and they shot it on a set with like on Betamax and it looked a lot cheaper, mm-hmm. you know, like Saved by the Bell, it might have played a little bit better. Yeah. Here's the thing they could have they could have played it a little bit more broad. We would have had a lot more of that organic theatrical mm-hmm. feel. Even though it would have felt like a cheesier show. I think the mistake that this show made, it was, hey, it's partially on the showrunners, but I think it's also partially on the network. This is not a primetime sitcom. This is no. a Saturday morning sitcom. Yeah. This is, yeah. You're, you're, Saved by the Bell is the right tone, I think, mm. this should have had. Bright and silly with just enough humanity to get you through it. But the whole point is it's kind of a semi-informational distraction. Yeah. I think about Doctor Who. Doctor Who got started as the adventures of an old alien who takes kids on adventures and teaches them about history. It's only over time that they started realizing we can start taking this kind of seriously. The jokey tone of Bill and Ted, the broad, Mm. comedic, slapsticky, surreal, almost Sam and Max kind of humor it has sometimes, um, that is way more befitting to a kid's show mm. where every episode two doofuses go back in time meet someone famous the kids learn a little bit about them or at least mm. get the gist of why they're famous it's, P- it's and Pe- Peabody and Sherman yeah, it's yeah. Peabody yeah basically it's Peabody and Sherman it's Peabody and Sherman with Bill and Ted that's the gag mm. Every time Which we try indeed, to make it too sexy, uh, it feels wrong. It feels mm. inappropriate. Anytime we try to tackle a serious issue like transsexuality, which mm. is a big topic, mm. it feels wrong. Anytime they go back in time and meet Elvis and find out how cool Elvis was or how cool Albert Einstein was or meeting your dad and finding out he was yeah. just like you, these are kids' show premises. And on that level, it's okay. And indeed, this was a kids' show. There was an animated series. Yeah. Now, uh, but this as, one aired you, on prime time. Yeah, as, and that was a mistake. It doesn't work. Yeah, as you said, uh, in, in the first season of the animated series, uh, Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves played Bill and Ted, the voices of Bill and Ted on the animated series. And then the guys from this series took over mm-hmm. uh, in the second season. And I'm guessing that second season, which I've seen a couple episodes of. It's been of, a long it's time been since a while. I saw it. I remember liking it's, it it's, fine. It seems to me like the tone of the cartoon, since it was more kid-friendly, was a lot more appropriate for what they were going for exactly. in this show. So... It, it kind of wasn't canceled too soon. Uh, it kind of got to continue in its more appropriate form. This version of it was not canceled too soon. No, uh, this version, this version, this, I'm amazed. I'm amazed it got past the pilot, honestly. I feel yeah. like after that pilot, I'd be like, no, yeah, this is this is not striking the right, the right note. Right. There's something off about it. Uh, cartoon, yeah. Mm. Cartoon, good. And again, if this was like a three-camera sitcom, 
Uh, this was like if you did this on like the, you know the Disney Channel has all those weird hyper bright sitcoms now. Yeah, like yeah. that's where sitcoms are thriving is on the Disney Channel for kids. Which and honestly, Savage Steve Holland makes a bunch of them. Yeah. Um, that there's that that and, that and, that works. That's oh, where fact, Bill and Ted is. I think. Here's a question. Although Bill and Ted are definitely a product of their time, you know, Bill and Ted's are dead. The the, the Gen X would be rocker. No one oh, they talks all like that out, anymore, yeah. and they barely talk like that then. The, sort of the sort of ultra surf. I mean. Bill and Ted came from uh, was it Spakowski the uh, uh, Sean Spicoli Spicoli the Sean Penn character from Fast Times at Ridgemont High yes which uh, also had a sitcom yes it did a but, uh, that, yeah that character was split into two so he would have someone to talk to and uh, that's Bill and Ted <laughs> Basically, and yeah. uh, and they took sort of the attitude for have you ever seen the decline of Western civilization part two not all the, of it. the I've metal seen, the metal years yeah, where they're parts. all talking about how metal will never die and <laughs> what happens if you're not successful as a metal musician oh I'm definitely gonna be successful hand me another quart of whiskey yeah you're gonna be successful uh, <laughs> and so, that man's name was James Hetfield <laughs> <laughs> well James Hetfield's okay that was my Joke, yeah, okay. what, if it, what if that person actually did turn out to be yeah, famous? No. They uh, didn't. <laughs> so a lot of those guys just weren't famous. That class of person is just gone. So I'm, I'm wondering if Bill and Ted could play to modern kids. Would they recognize this sort of, this version of the slacker character? I, I think when you look at something like, the mm. DNA of Bill and Ted exists, but it has mm. evolved. It evolved even very, very quickly. It became Wayne and Garth very, very fast. Mm. I look at the DNA of Bill and Ted and I see it in something like, even like the Step Up movies mm. or, uh, or uh, from this maker, some of the Step movies, Gem and the Holograms, which is a somewhat underrated movie. It's not great. It's not great. It's but it, if you heard it was the worst thing ever made, you, they were uh, wrong. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cute. It's weird. It's not bad. But there's the stories of young people who mm. are naive, maybe not doofuses, but naive and uh, have dreams of success and work really, really hard at it and they get an opportunity uh, and they learn valuable lessons, these stories never die because this mm. is a story of youth. Yeah. This is a story that young people, especially in contemporary society, dream of fame. Mm. Fame is is considered I- equivalent to success. <laughs> right. uh, and, and that's not necessarily a fair assessment, but it is something people genuinely dream about and so mm. it's something that people will still make stories about. Bill and Ted today would take on a very, very different form. I think they would probably, you know, be... Amateur video makers, or or, yeah, well, or they, they might be musicians, but that just that whole environment is very very different. The yeah. music that is popular now, like Bill and Ted, the music that they revere, like Van Halen, mm. is great compared to most popular music. Now. <laughs> Those considered just well, I'm, popular I'm, music, like no, Van Halen was actually so good back then. If if a modern kid who is trying to like if you were to update Bill and Ted, and they're mm. they're teenagers in the present day, what sort of musicians would they aspire to be? And is that even a dream kids have anymore? Like sort of going into their garage with an, an electric well, guitar. And I think they are, but I think those kids are actually a lot more intellectual and a lot more soulful and broody. They're li- they're still listening to Nirvana. They want to be yeah. Nirvana. I think I think what it is actually mm. closer than anything else, really, mm. uh, Glee. Okay. I think it's actually it's not that dark and brooding. I think it's actually very hopeful, okay. very positive, um, and 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 yeah, perceived as maybe a, a, a mm. little naive because that dream of success that isn't tainted mm. by uh, the horrors of celebrity <laughs> uh, is not something that I think mm. most people would allow themselves to fantasize yeah, about. I think I, they're too aware of well, scandal and and, uh, and disappointment. They're aware of scandal and just the way fame operates is yeah. different now. I think um, you, um, the notion of a musician. 
being the one to have the wisdom to unlock all of peace in society. That's it's a kind of a moribund idea. idea. Yeah, no, that's dead. I don't like, know, but I don't know who the, f- the famous musicians now get famous instantly. You're either a hit on YouTube right away, or you win on a, a, a yeah. TV show. The celebrities uh, whose philosophies guide yeah. us now are stand-up comics. So comedians, I think, are the ones who have that much more of an impact. I think nowadays mm. they're the ones who raise our awareness of odd, yeah. you know, the the things in life that yeah. deserve to be focused on and like you know so, you've noticed that society doesn't actually make sense and people go oh shit you're right we should change i think mm-hmm. you have that more i think some people think that comedy will save us i think comedy raises an awareness that will lead to us taking real life action that will save us yeah, yeah. and i think even that's something bill and ted that's probably more like what bill and ted actually did i don't think yeah. people saw their songs and then like the universe opened up to them well, like in I, 2001 again i, just I think, think they inspired everyone to be excellent to each other and party down I, I think they did eventually incorporate these really complex ideas. I like to think that Bill and Ted became like these really heady kind of musicians who were doing these really complex music, mm-hmm. musical things. Zeppelin, yeah. yeah, more or less. Yeah. It's like you have to be really if if you're not smart, you get it. But if you are smart, then you really get it. And uh, I love how it went in Bill uh, and Ted's bogus journey, we uh, finally heard. Because Wild Stallions, as a, the, the joke at the end of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is they have saved everything. Uh, they have, you know, gotten an A-plus on their history paper. They've squeaked by. They'll be together. They'll be Wild Stallions. And then they play, and they're fucking terrible. Well, and, and the joke is... Uh, 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 Rufus says... They, Rufus, they he turns to the camera and says they do get better. Yeah. And then at well, the and, end of Bogus Journey, uh, we hear them play. And what are they playing? They play Kiss. They play a Kiss ballad. <laughs> it's a good ballad. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, God gave rock and roll to you. That's... Yeah. That's a good song. I don't know if that'll save the world, but it's got like a, it is a very raw, raw, kind of inspirational, everything's going to be okay kind of riff. But yeah, that's not really a philosophy we can build on. Imagine if they played something like Through the Fire and Flames, just something that's like (laughs) nine minutes long and has a thousand notes in it. That that would have been great. So not only does... just play American Idiot, all of it. not, (laughs) Not only does this show... Not quite work on its own merits. You have to kind of love the movies to really get into this. But But if you love uh, the movies, you're not going to like the shows as much. If you love the movies, it's only nostalgia because young kids aren't going to see Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure because it's 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 a cult film. It's it's beyond its usefulness Mm -hmm. now, and that that hurts me a little bit because I like the film so much, (laughs) and because I I grew up with that sort of notion that a musician could change the world. I'll bet Bill and Ted to like young people now, like people who are like in junior high or whatever who might see it now. Bill and Ted, you got to realize it's as far removed from that generation now mm. as like Beach Blanket Bingo was from us. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And it fe- Beach Blanket Bingo, even when we were kids, felt like a relic of the sixties. Yeah. Bill and Ted is just as silly, just as bizarre, and well intentioned, mm. but just as weird and so retro as that. Yeah, and that's fine. You know what? That's fine. <laughs> that is of its time. That's that the show. It's not going to age any better as time goes on. <laughs> but I encourage you to watch it because it is cute. It is better than the show. The show is really not worth tracking down. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I'm kind of glad I watched it, but I'm also glad there wasn't more of it because I was getting a little sick of it by the end. Because it's kind of the same beat, the same tone, the mm. same jokes over and over and over again. Uh, I, I can assure you that if I had run aground on this a little bit more actively when it was first airing, I probably would have dug it a little bit more, mm-hmm. just because I wasn't as sophisticated in 1992 when right. the, the I turned 14. Uh, so mm-hmm. when you're young and your standards well, are yeah. low, you would have liked it better. I probably would have liked it a We're little gonna bit. We're going to start trying to track down more of these shows because I think a lot of people are like, oh, what's this new trend mm. where movies are becoming TV shows? 
that's not new. We already yeah. did Casablanca, but like seriously, there were shows based on the Dirty Dozen mm. that, that lasted one season or less. There's shows based well, on the Dirty Dozen. Animal House had a sitcom. No one remembers that shit. Revenge of the Nerds had a sitcom. Yeah, we gotta was, get to all this. Police Academy, although uh, that one lasted a while. That, that one lasted more than one season, so it's what? out. But uh, I think the, the thing people are remarking on is how that's flipped. Same with like there used to be a time when movies were based on hit Broadway musicals. Now it's the other way around. The hit Broadway musicals are made out of movies. Uh, same thing's happening in movies now. Now they all resemble these sort of long-form TV shows, whereas TV shows are becoming a lot more like moneyed and daring and artistically uh, salient. Mm-hmm. Uh, as And that, that's sort of a flip, where the, the TV shows used to be sort of the disposable, I, I just, shallow entertainments, and the movies was where all of the, the daring was coming from. That is true, and that is an interesting, it's an interesting time mm-hmm. in which we live, but I do think every time something comes out, like Training Day, which tragically, after the death of Bill Paxton, they haven't made an official announcement yet mm-hmm. as of the time we recorded this, we might have to do on this show. Um, you know, everyone was just like, ah, oh, they're doing a Lethal Weapon TV series, there's nothing sacred. No, and it never was. <laughs> there were always shows based on hit movies, and the majority of them didn't last. The majority of them, there was M.A.S.H., and there was a mega hit, <laughs> and, it over, and it surpassed the film. Yep. And people liked that show more than the film, and the film was like an Academy Award winner. It was a big deal, or at least it was nominated. It was a big deal. Mm. Um, but like the majority of them stunk up the place. When Buffy the Vampire Slayer became a series, the joke was, well, of course, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was a hit. It was the one no one expected anything from. Yeah. Like it wasn't like living like even like people who liked the original didn't love it that much, mm. so it had room to grow. But when you're making a series off of a hit movie, which is what they always did, it was always seen as the subpar version of it. Yeah, yeah. So something like Bill and Ted is is natural, and we'll get to more of these as time goes on we'll track down as many as we can a lot of them were not very popular and they're going to be hard to find i'll just say this there was a tv series of love story there was a tv <laughs> series of love story there was a tv series of what's up doc there's a lot of tv series we're gonna and some of them are hard to find some of them are hard to find some of the more interesting stuff is hard to find uh do we have we're we're pre-recording this episode because i'm gonna uh, well, be out of town we, this weekend we, we've caught we have up any other letters on, we've caught up on letters no, uh so yeah awesome. on, okay on so, the last episode we caught up so, so uh please write in yes you can write in uh you can write in with suggestions we don't read all of those on the air because it's pretty pretty straightforward either we'll get to it or that doesn't qualify for some reason mm-hmm. but send us your suggestions we love hearing them we always write them down and the more people suggest something the more likely we are to cover it soon if you want to send us uh, a, a dvd that's on our amazon wish list you can mm-hmm. find the link uh it's on our Libsyn page, but it's also on our Twitter page. Um, a lot of people send us mm. stuff. We're getting to them as fast as we can. Next week we'll do another one. But seriously, email us. It's at bmoviespodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Mm. Questions. Do you remember watching these shows at the time? Uh, do you know anything about these shows that we don't know? We'd always yeah. be fascinated to find out. Um, and Or just ask us questions. Anything you want to know about us, we'll answer anything. Mm. Pretty much anything. We'll answer it. <laughs> find it. Uh, get to know more about us. Uh, again, you can find us on iTunes. Please subscribe if you haven't already. You can also subscribe on Stitcher now. Uh, uh, something that's very helpful to us is leaving a review on iTunes. Yeah, uh, the or more, Stitcher, I think. The, the more reviews we get, uh, sort of the, the higher it's bumped up on the recommendation yeah. lists on iTunes, and the more people find us. If so, you want to help the show and yeah. you can't afford to send us a DVD, and that's mm. totally fine. You don't have to send us anything. We just love that you're listening. The least, the, the thing you can do that only take a few seconds, star rating couple of sentences mm. just tell them you like us or you hate us i don't know why you're watching listening to the end of the episode if you hate us but y- just send leave us a review it really 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 helps um and you can find us on twitter at canceled cast i'm at william Bibiani. i'm at whitney seibold and next week on cancel too soon we're going to get to another reader submission this was sent to us on our Amazon wish list, it's one of the most commonly requested shows. In fact, I think this might have been the first request we ever had. Yeah. <laughs> was for 
Manimal. Yeah, we're finally doing Manimal. Half man, uh, half Manimal, all Manimal. Yeah, he, he Manimal, played by the resplendently named Simon McCorkendale, mm-hmm. uh, was a man who could turn into any animal. Usually, usually only, usually only the two or three that they oh. had uh, yeah. <laughs> that they had for filming. He had a lot of stock footage of a panther mm. and a hawk. It's mostly. I, th- that. I think he goes into. A, I think he's a snake in one or two episodes. There's a, a cat in one. Yeah, uh, but, but it was it was a sh- very very short lived show, and it was it, kind of the, the. It's one of the most notorious canceled too soon shows in TV history because it's got a distinctive and funny name, mm. uh, and it was rather a notorious bomb. Uh, and it's a it's you'll notice like in the late eighties and early nineties it was a recurring gag about TV. Yeah, they, they brought up Manimal a lot on like Mystery Science Theater and and on The Simpsons and stuff. Yeah, it's 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 a but it's a show that's kind of weird, kind of interesting, uh, and we're really excited to finally get to talk about it. Mm-hmm. That will be next week. Uh, also. Um we're going to be reviewing one episode of a not canceled too soon series that Manimal showed up on. Yes, normally mm-hmm. uh, uh, we've made one exception for Police Squad: a because it's Police Squad, and b because someone bought it for us. Yeah. Uh, our rule is it can't have had another chance. Mm-hmm. It can't have had a movie based on it. It can't have had a spinoff. Might be okay, but uh, like a, a, a sequel series, like if it comes back, like Family Guy came back, for mm-hmm. example, you, you can't do a, a, a cancel too soon. But Manimal made a cameo appearance on a superhero TV series in the 90s called Nightman. Yep. Just showed up as Manimal. Now, that's the, not him getting a second chance. That's just like a reference they yeah, made. Yeah, well, But we have to cover it. It was clearly uh, like a fan. It was like one of the makers of the show was a big fan of Manimal. Or so worked they, on they, it. I don't know. It's possible. Maybe, maybe yeah. so. I'd but to look into it. But they got the same actor back. It's yeah. the same character. He lives in the same universe as Nightman. Yeah. But uh, since it's just like, I think, the one episode, it, it's just sort of an addendum more than a second chance. So, so we'll I, be reviewing Manimal so and Manimal, one episode of Nightman. Manimal counts and we yeah, one episode of nightmare <laughs> which i didn't watch at the time we're gonna just be dipping into it blind it's gonna be real weird well i read the comics nightman is based on so Ooh. i'm actually actually one of the like the three people on this planet who's familiar with it before the, the show started <laughs> so i'll have a little things to say right, a few so really, things to say about that so really excited about manimal uh we will read more your letters next time if you send us letters please do podcast at gmail.com follow us on twitter we already gave you all that stuff uh and um i guess that's a wrap folks we'll see you next season